Welcome to the Valley of the Suns podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Gerald Borgay. Welcome, Valley boys and girls, to another episode of the Valley of the Suns podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gerald Borgay, and we've got a special treat for you today because of our guest. She is a familiar face if you've watched the Suns game in the last five years or so. Um, She is your favorite sideline reporter and mine, and she is very missed in the Suns media room these days. Lindsay Smith, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for that kind introduction and for having (laughs) me on the show today. Absolutely. I'm glad we finally get a chance to catch up because it's been forever since we've all been able to be in the media room together. Um, And I think I speak for most Suns fans when I say that we, you know, watching Suns games is not the same without you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate (laughs) that. I miss everybody. I miss going to games. I miss the atmosphere. I miss being in the media room with all of you guys. Like, I feel like I just haven't been able to see my friends in a long time. (laughs) I know it's just, it's just not the same. Um, but I wanted to get your thoughts because you've been there since 2016, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and heading into this season, I know that we've covered this team for a long time now. And this season felt like a different season in terms of actually having hope. Um, as someone who's worked with the team day in and day out for a long time, did you kind of get that sense that, you know, with the new acquisitions, there was a kind of renewed sense of hope that might actually be Uh, warranted this time yeah definitely I mean especially you know after the bubble play and then like you said with all the acquisitions in the short off season um, I think it was a justified sense of hope this season Um, you know in years past we've we've tried to get our hopes up but we've always been very cautious to go too high with it um, just because you don't want to get your hopes so so high and then be let down Um, you know, like all the players say, never too high, never too low. But this year, I feel like we leaned a little bit more on the high side. And um, so far, so good. It's been a great season. It's been a fun season to watch. Uh, I wish that we were all there and actually able to enjoy this in a normal setting. Um, But I have full faith that it will continue to uh, get better. And we're on the right trajectory right now. So I think when, you know, we're finally able to have a full arena again, I I see that, you know, this, I think this will continue. Yeah, I I think so too. It's been, uh, it's been one of those things where people might want to look further down the road and ask what comes next for the Suns. (laughs) But after the last decade or so of Suns basketball we've watched, I'm, uh, I'm just trying to live in the moment for the year now. And honestly, I mean, I think that we should, because it has been a long time since we've been given some really winning basketball. You know what I mean? We can go into every single game knowing that there's a chance for us to win. It's not like, oh, tonight's going to be a wash. Like, we're definitely not <laughs> taking this W home. You know what I mean? We're in every game. You can see that The team has continued to improve throughout the season, even with all of the oddities of this year. You know, we had a short off season and a short training camp, a lot of new faces, not a lot of time to really get to know each other and build that chemistry. And then then you're navigating all of the COVID protocols and health and safety protocols. And it's just like, it's a lot. And considering that they've been able to do this despite all of that, 
Um, I think that's a good sign, but I do, you know, to your point, we should just enjoy it while it's here. <laughs> like we'll worry about next season when next season comes, but right now the focus should just be on this season and continuing mm -hmm. to improve, continuing to get better and, and, you know, tweaking those little things that need to be tweaked in order to um, have a little bit more consistency night in and night out. Absolutely. And that was kind of one of my biggest takeaways from the incredible experience that we got to have with the bubble from afar was, you know, last year was just top to bottom, pretty much a train wreck for most people, I think. Um, and the Suns were one of the few good things about my year, which has not been the case in recent years for a while. So it is nice to just kind of sit back and enjoy winning basketball. Um, but I wanted to ask you about this because I feel I feel like it's unfair that like you've put in work with this team for so long. And then now when they're good, like you don't get to be there to report on it. <laughs> um, like what, what do you miss most about the job? Just the day in and the day out of, of being a sun sideline reporter. I mean, I, I feel what you're saying because there was a part of me when, <laughs> when the news kind of first came down, I was like, man, if we go off this season and I'm not there, I'm going to be so bummed. <laughs> Um, oh. but it, I mean, at least I still get to enjoy it because, you know, I'm still mm. a fan of this team. Like I have great relationships with people who work there. Some of the players, um, the new guys I haven't gotten really to meet yet, but, uh, everything I've heard, they're great, great guys, but yeah, it is kind of a bummer to not be there and not be in the thick of it with, um, this group. But at the same time, it's like, even if I was there right now, with everything kind of going on and all the different protocols, you know, I still wouldn't be able to have the kind of access that I would have in years past. Right. So it still would have felt like you were kind of missing out um, mm. in some sense of the word, right? So yeah, it is a bummer. And I definitely miss, um, I think I just miss the, so when, when you're covering a team and you're like on the road or you're in the locker room, you know, you're there every day you really feel those highs and lows. And after a win, it just feels so good. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Everyone's excited. Everyone's like, that's when it's like peak family and unity kind of vibes. And since there's so many more wins this year, comparatively <laughs> speaking, it's like, man, that would be so nice to just, I bet they just feel so good and are really happy. And, you know, even the nights after a loss or if they have a slip up or you know, when they're working on getting better, it just feels different coming mm. off of a win than it does coming off of a loss. So um, I, I feel like it would be really fun to be in there right now. But like I said, with everything going on, it, you, you still probably wouldn't get that exact experience that you would in a normal season. Right. And I'm glad you touched on that because people, people always ask me like, why aren't you a Suns fan? Because I, you know, I, I cover the team. I try to stay objective, but they're always confused because of the way that I tweet like excitement about the team when they're doing well, um, kind of disappointment when they're not doing well. The reason is not just because it's fun to cover good basketball, but it's easier when you're conducting player interviews or just asking a simple question when they're winning versus yeah. when they're losing. The vibe is just totally different. They're more, you know, they'll joke around with you. They'll have a better time with you. When you're losing game after game, you start to like look at the media as like, oh God, how am I supposed to answer the same the question? The same question, yeah. <laughs> over and, and over. 
that's kind of like the hardest part of our jobs is, you know, I don't want to ask you this question any more than you want to answer, but (laughs) there's an expectation, you know, of, of explaining whatever's going on or, or saying something outwardly to the fan base or whomever. And, and that's kind of a bummer. Like I Mm -hmm. felt there were so many times throughout, you know, the last couple of years where I'm just like, I really don't want to ask you this because Mm -hmm. I know what's going on. We all know what's going on. We, you know, it's, it's going to take X, Y, and Z to get over this hump. And maybe we just don't have X, Y, and Z right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think one of the things that I tried to do a lot during those, those rough stretches was, you know, find that silver lining. Mm-hmm. Maybe if it was a guy who, you know, didn't really see a lot of minutes, finally got an opportunity and took full advantage of it. Like, I would rather focus on that than, you know, ask a guy like Devin Booker to explain to me, for the umpteenth time, like what happened tonight? You know what I mean? Um, But yeah, it's, it's kind of a bummer, but it is so much more fun. You're like, you said, it's so much more fun when they're winning because everyone's happy and, and you Mm -hmm. feel that too, you know, your job is easier. Their job is easier. Everyone's life is easier when you're winning games, Uh, but you can't always win games. And I think it's funny because Everybody I talked to, like my first season in the NBA, like I would reach out to other sideline reporters and people who've been, you know, in the business for a long time. And I'm just like, how do you cover a team that isn't winning on a regular basis? Like, how do you not just constantly like go into that negative space? And they're like, you got to look for the positives. And then two, think about this as like a learning opportunity. If you can learn to cover a losing team, when your team starts winning, it'll be mm. like a cakewalk. Like oh, you'll yeah. just be chilling. Like your job will have instantly gotten 50% easier. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and you can feel that. It's not quite the same like you were saying without that sort of um, that locker room access that we're used to. It mm-hmm. is a little bit different, you know, like raising your hand and doing it all virtually and, and not being able to see the guys interact with each other after a win. Yeah. Um, but you can just, I mean, just in their willingness to answer even poorly phrased questions, because we've all had that moment where we just like randomly get nervous and forget what we were trying to ask and forget how to ask it properly. <laughs> um, it happens but, yeah. more than I'd like to admit. I mean, <laughs> you just, you feel bad. You're like after a loss, when you're, you know, in that awkward space, you're like, it's like going up to somebody when they're in a really bad mood and like trying to convince them to tell you about that bad mood. And you're just like, I'm trying to be really like gentle and kind mm-hmm. with my words here. And then you end up yep. word vomit something else. <laughs> and you're just like, dang, I did not mean it like that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the other angle. Like some people just don't give a fuck and they'll just ask, ask their question with like, no, just no cushion or no nothing. And it's just like, Oh man, we're going to get one answer and that's going to be it. tonight. <laughs> yeah, that man, that's a hard one because you're right. Like that comes out and then it's like, they're shut down. They're like, all right, yeah. I'm over this. <laughs> yep. And I don't blame them. If I were on their side of things, I would do the exact same thing, but I'm just oh, like, yeah. man, why'd you have to kill it for the rest of us? Like we were trying over here. Oh, have yeah. some well, empathy. oh, exactly. But for the record, I felt like you always did a very good job of navigating that line between asking the question that needed to be asked, but also phrasing it properly so that it was a way that they could actually answer the question and, and not just kind of give you a short response or something like that. So you were well, always, you, you were, yeah, you were very instructive to me as someone who was new to the locker room for uh, 
when I was there in my early years. So I do appreciate I, that. I appreciate that. Thank you. I also <laughs> yes. think that I got a little bit of um, help in the sense that because I worked for the team, mm. uh, there was just a little bit more uh, trust. I feel like maybe there between me and the players, because I never, I think they understood that I never wanted to be that a-hole who like just threw out the, the mean question just to throw it out. Mm. Uh, and so if, if it did come across that way, I think I was given the benefit of the doubt that like, okay, she probably didn't mean it like that. Um, and then the other thing is because I work for the team, I'm, I'm not required to cover the team in a specific type of way where other outlets might be like, I need a full game recap after every single game. I need, you know, five quotes minimum, like whatever their requirements are. Um, working for the team, we were able to, you know, pick and choose, if you will, kind of the storylines that we wanted to share, we wanted to highlight. And when I was there, it was all positive. You know what I mean? We're going to find that positive thing. We're not going to focus on the negative. We're going to move on just like the team is trying to move on. Right. Uh, and I think I was really grateful that I was on that <laughs> side of it because then I didn't really have to, um, get those things that would be like required by, you know, like a different outlet. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. It is, uh, it's when you work for the team, it's, you know, you, you have to be a little bit more positive than you might normally be in like a 19 win season or whatever right. it might be. Um, but you guys, you and you and Cody always did a good job of finding that kind of silver lining and turning it, it not just, you know, blindly looking at good stuff when everything else is on fire, but just kind of, uh, finding a way to focus on concrete things that were actually still happening despite everything else being on fire. Right. So, <laughs> um, but I am curious and I, I wanted to give you time to think about this ahead of time instead of just kind of ambushing you. Cause I don't know about you, but when people always say like, what's your favorite memory about this or what do you remember most about this? It's easy to feel like put on the spot and be like, well, I need to like think about that. So you've been working for the team for five years. You've, interviewed a lot of different players probably have a lot of different experiences but what uh what kind of stands out as some of your favorite your, your favorite memory or favorite memories from your time covering the suns i mean so i appreciate the heads up i probably should have put a little <laughs> bit more thought into this but it's hard like even if i did spend an entire week trying to figure out what that one thing was it's mm. really hard to pinpoint one exact moment because there's so many and um, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I think one of the coolest things for me was being able to cover and build a relationship with Jamal Crawford. Mm -hmm. He has always been one of my favorite players. Like I remember in college, um, the game of, I think it was like two, I don't know what year of 2K it was, um, mm -hmm. but I would always play 2K against all of my buddies in college. And I was the only girl who was playing and I would always play with the Clippers. So I think it was like 2012. Uh -huh. um, and every single time I would just murder guys. Like <laughs> Jamal Crawford would come in and it would just be like bucket after bucket after bucket. And then the game would be over and they'd be so pissed. And I loved it. It was so much fun. Obviously the winning part, but then playing with Jamal Crawford because I like Jamal Crawford as a player and a person. So when he came to the mm -hmm. Suns, I was like, I'm a little bit like, I don't, I don't really, um, I don't know, celebrities or athletes. Like it's mm -hmm. not really, I'm not just like, oh my God, that's LeBron James. Star, like starstruck. So <laughs> yeah. And, but with Jamal Crawford, I was like, I really want to like 
I don't want to screw this one up. You know what I mean? Like I want this relationship to be a good one because he's going to be a leader on this team. I'm going to end up probably talking to him a lot. So I want to make sure that I'm building a good relationship. And by the end of that season, like I was just blown away with how kind he was. Like, Mm -hmm. you know how they tell you never meet your idols or never meet your favorite person because you're always going to be let down. I was not let down in the slightest bit when I got to meet and get to know Jamal Crawford. He was that type of player who, if he was walking down a hallway and ran into, he would stop and be like, Hey, Lindsay, what's up? How's it going in your world? Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. And then the next time around, he'd be like, Hey, so you remember how last week you mentioned such and such was going on? How's that going now? And I'm just like, okay, like you're actually a genuinely like really nice and cool person. And -hmm. every time we had an interview or every time we would sit down and chat, like he always gave really thoughtful answers and, you know, being that far into his career, he could have decided to be one of those guys. It's like, I've already done all of this. I've given my time to the media. I've given my time to content creation or whatever, but it never, it was never an issue. It was never a burden for him. He always genuinely enjoyed it. And I think that was cool. Um, and then, I mean, I bring this one up a lot, but the Kelly Oubre mic pop thing, yes. <laughs> like, even though I was mortified in the moment <laughs> after I went into the locker room and I got to talk to him, like I went in the locker room and I was like, Kelly, I'm so sorry. Like it was just, it was just instinct to put that mic back out there. I'm so sorry. He like laughed the whole time and was like, it's no big deal. And then yeah. we had the little social media interaction, uh, afterwards and, I was after that kind of happened. I was like, okay, now I can go back and be like, that was really funny. Like if I was watching (laughs) that, I would have been laughing my butt off. I would have posted that on my Instagram story and been like, did you see what this girl did? (laughs) Like, so I think that one was hilarious. Um, Devin Booker all-star, his first all-star appearance. Mm -hmm. That was a really cool thing to be a part of because I was there for, um, you know, the first couple rounds where he was in the three-point contest and like the rising stars challenges and stuff. And it was just kind of cool to finally see him reach that moment. Mm. And I also really liked how it kind of all went down. I mean, obviously we thought he should have been in there originally, but then when Dane got hurt, I thought it was really neat how Dane came out and was like, no, this is the person who should replace me. And we yeah. were playing at the time that that news broke because mm. um, their game had ended like, we were in the fourth quarter of our game. I don't remember who we were playing, um, but I was seeing it on Twitter and mm. I was able to talk to my producer and be like, yo, this is going down right now. Like we should say something like we got to tell people what's going on if they're not on Twitter and watching. And right. I think just how that whole thing kind of went was a really mm. cool moment in my career. Cause I was able to bring, I always want to bring social media into the broadcast, but it's, it's right. not an easy thing to do. Cause so many people have tried to navigate that space and how do you connect those two Mm. Um, but I think that was a cool one for me. So I liked that, but those are just a handful. There's so many more. I mean, if we're even not talking basketball and just like the crew that would travel with us, there's so many more, but we'd be here for hours. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great. I, the Kelly Oubre one was just a moment of, it was just a classic, an instant classic moment. Um, and I, I remember the, the whole Damian Lillard, Devin Booker conversation too. So those are, those are two good ones. Yeah, um, I thought those were really cool. Um, so those are just things that have stuck out to me that I'm like, this was a cool moment to be a part of. And yeah. and uh, so, you know, even though Absolutely. it was an accident, it still worked out really well. <laughs> so I, I think you already answered my next question, but just in Sorry. case it isn't, no, it's okay. Just in case it isn't Jamal Crawford, who was, because I mean, you got to have in-depth conversations with a lot of these guys, deal with them kind of on the day of the day. 
who is sort of your favorite Suns player to interview? Okay, so I will not give you a favorite because that's too difficult. I'll give you a top okay. five, but in no particular okay. order, okay? So these okay. all kind of just go around. <laughs> Jamal Crawford, mm-hmm. Cam Johnson, Tyler okay. Johnson. Tyler. Um, let's see. Man, I went through this with Cody. Cody and I do this all the time. We're like, who are our favorites? But it's those three for sure because they were just – they're just great human beings. And I, mm-hmm. I always, you know, love talking to people who don't mind talking to me. And that's not to say that other people had like a problem with it. It just felt easier. It was like you were talking to a friend, you know what I mean? Right. So Jamal Crawford, Cam Johnson, Tyler Johnson. Um, I mean, Alan Williams was a really solid player and a solid mm-hmm. dude. Devin's always cool. When you, when Dev, when you catch Devin in the right moment, you have mm-hmm. some really cool conversations with him. Um, it's just, he's, he's carrying so much. And especially in the last Mm -hmm. few years, there's been so much on his plate and so much on his shoulders that it's like, I understand why he's a little tired at times and and talking to people is probably exhausting. Like I get this, I get like that too, where I'm just like, I don't want to talk to anybody today. Mm -hmm. Um, man, that's a tough one. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's five, there's five, but it changes on a regular basis. It does. But (laughs) I would say the first three are like easily in top five for sure. Um, that makes sense. Just because it, it's, they're just really great human beings. And I think that's something that stands out to me more than anything, because, um, you know, if you can, if you can find that, that good balance of being really good at your craft, but not letting it really like go to your head or make you feel like you're better than somebody else. That's, that's a really cool thing to see. Um, because we're, we're all guilty of it in our lives too, right? Like if you work in marketing and all of a sudden you're the VP of the marketing firm or whatever, um, you can, you can see how it could get to your head a little bit. I think it's kind of human instinct or just a natural behavior in our society. So when you see somebody who's like completely contradicted, who completely contradicts that like norm, I think it's kind of a cool thing. No. And and you're right. Like Jamal Crawford is genuinely one of the nicest people I've ever met on the beat he's just a good human being mm-hmm. um and I, I didn't I knew he was a good dude before he signed with the Suns but just being able to talk to him a few times and even after his last game with the Suns when he dropped like 50 or whatever that was um just the way that he like individually said goodbye to all the people that came up to him all the reporters after his interview was over and just said goodbye and wished him good luck like that was that was a really cool moment. And it's not one that I've seen often on this beat. So he's a good dude. And Cam Johnson, I mean, I know he's an older rookie. A lot of people like to uh, poke jokes at his, at how old he is, but um, even as a rookie, like he was always just so well-spoken and like so mature and just intelligent when he would talk to you. I always was impressed by him in that regard. Um, Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's a really good dude. And he's, I like Cam too, because he is willing to have fun. Like he's not too cool (laughs) to do like the goofy things or to poke fun at himself. And I always appreciate that about players. (laughs) Um, I mean, back in the day when Chris Paul and Blake Griffin um, were doing all those goofy skits at the Clippers, you remember that? I loved that. That was so (laughs) funny to me. I was like, man, I like these two guys because I love people who can like make fun of themselves and just do goofy stuff. So, so. Yeah, yeah. My that makes sense. Um, the question that I'm sure all of us at home are probably wondering, um, 
what have you been up to lately? What do you have in the works? And, you know, selfishly, is there any hope of a return to the sidelines in the near future? I hope so. Um, so I am technically furloughed. So it's just kind of in this weird gray area right now where we're waiting for, you know, everything to kind of fall into place to see if, if I am able to come back and rejoin the team. I hope that I get to, um, you know, I love my job. I love this team and this community around it. So fingers crossed that I do get to come back soon. Um, It may not be until next season. We'll see, but only time will tell there. But in the meantime, you know, I've just been taking advantage of this as much as I can. There's it's, I went through all the emotions in the first month, you know what I mean? Where you were really sad. You were a little bit angry. Then you were like, I'm just going to chill and not do anything. And and (laughs) all those things, you know what I mean? And I think I've gotten to a point where it's like, again, it kind of goes back to even when I was covering the team, like I'm always going to try and find the positive. right? Right. So I just sat there and I was like, one, there's not many times in life where you are given the opportunity to take a break from work regardless of how much you love your job or how much you enjoy your career, there's always going to be some form of a burnout in there. Um, And so it's not often that you just get, you know, a couple months to just reset and refocus and, and recharge. And I've been taking full advantage of that. You know, I'm hanging out more with um, my family members who are within my bubble. Like I call my grandparents a lot more often. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really enjoy that. You know, I'm just trying to get back to, you know, um, finding better priorities, I guess, maybe, or reprioritizing things that are important to me. And, and family, I think is one that I needed to put a little bit more emphasis on. I think, um, you know, covering a professional team, especially when you travel, the games don't end. Like if it's your birthday and you have a game, well, you got a game, you know what I mean? If there's a family barbecue and there's a game, well, you got a game. And so now I'm trying to figure out like, okay, moving forward, if, and when I do get to come back with the Suns, you know, how do I make sure that I'm still dedicating real uninterrupted time to my family and to, you know, passion projects? Um, and finding a really good balance of being able to give my all to the sons and my job, but also conserve a little bit of energy to give more to some of these other areas of my life where maybe I let the ball drop a little bit in the last few years. Yeah. Um, and then I'm doing some things like I'm, I'm doing a podcast with a startup media company called Unrivaled. And okay. we focus on athletes who um, you know, are really good at their craft, but are even better human beings. So it kind of just goes right up the alley with the players that I seem to connect with a little bit more like Langston Galloway type players, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like they're good and they contribute good leaders, but they do a lot in the community as well. Alan Williams would be, um, another athlete that's similar to that. And Mm then, um, you know, I've been producing and doing some, a couple commercials here and there for some, uh, companies around the Valley. So, I'm staying busy, but I'm also trying to make sure that I'm taking time to do some stuff for me, you know, rearranging the house and cleaning things like going through everything and reorganizing (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. And I just bought a scooter, like one of those like electrical scooters. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so much fun. And I've, I've been, um, I don't know if this is nerdy or whatever, but I'm really into Pokemon go right now. Um, And so I've been scooting around town playing Pokemon. Like that's just one of my like random guilty pleasures, I guess, if you will. Like it's 
that is that's living the dream in my book I don't know about you but that's (laughs) (laughs) that sounds fantastic It's, it's not a bad, uh, it's not a bad way to kill a couple hours each day. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I have, uh, I have the Pokemon sword on the switch and I've been playing that and I was super into Pokemon go. Like when it first came out, um, almost ruined a Hawaii vacation with my family because I was busy playing Pokemon go oh, in Hawaii no. the whole time. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's great. I feel that who's, that who's your, right now. who's your favorite Pokemon that you've caught? Oh man. Not to put you on the spot again, but <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. Um, shoot, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of proud of myself for getting. Uh, actually, I have a Shadow Mewtwo. Oh wow! Okay. Oh, so I'm pretty stoked on that guy. He's not yeah. too great. He's only like I think it's like a 900 CP or something like that. So I need to like boost him up, but. Okay. I feel like that's a pretty rareish one, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I haven't played in a while, but I would assume that's pretty rare. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm proud of that one. And then I just okay. like the old school ones because I used to play Pokemon on like my Game Boy Color when I was younger. Yes. So, like, I love Jigglypuff. Like I will always <laughs> love Jigglypuff. Okay. We will <laughs> always stand for Jigglypuff. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. Oh, okay. You should get back uh, on. We can be friends and play. Yes, I'm, I'm going to have to re-download that. I, hopefully yes. it saved all my data because I had a good little collection going, but it's been a while. So I'm going to I'm gonna have to look into this. Um, that'll probably do it for Sun's Talk. We're going to take a quick break and be right back after this. All right, so for today's final segment, our G-rated segment where we take a look at a TV show or a movie, um, usually that I've been binging or that our guest has been binging, Um, we had two options for this show that we talked about and you actually, you suggested Letterkenny first and I had, so full disclosure, I had watched like an episode or two, like a year or so ago and I didn't really like it. And I don't know if I was in a bad mood, but then when you suggested it again, I started watching it again and now I'm on like season four in the three (laughs) days since like you told me to to check it out and I loved it. But we're going to talk, we're not going to talk about Letterkenny, maybe in a future show. Today, we're going to talk about Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is another comedy classic. It is one of my favorite sitcoms, um, and I binged it in its entirety last year when the pandemic first started. It was one of the first shows that I actually dove into. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it'll be coming back either this year or next year for its final season. I think it's this fall. Yeah, um, which is sad, but... I'm so sad. It's it's a very underrated show, I feel like. Um, And when I when they first started like advertising for it, I was like, I don't know if Andy Samberg could hold down his own show. Like I loved Andy Samberg on SNL. He totally does. And the accompanying Mm -hmm. cast is fantastic. Um, how how long have you been watching this show for? So I feel like I started watching it. When was it that it was almost canceled and then there was a bunch of backlash and then they switched networks? What year was that? Was that two years ago now? I think so. So I think I started watching it then that year. Whatever year that happened is when I started watching it. And Mm. then that whole thing went down and I was so thankful that they picked it up because I was like, I'm not ready to call out a day with this show. Um, I just love those characters so much. And then I just rewatched the entire, um, every season, like in January. 
basically. Yeah. Like that's January <laughs> nights. We're basically just rewatching every season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> and I honestly think I could rewatch it two to three more times. It's going to be one of those shows that I think will be, you know how people use Friends or The Office. It's like a show you mm -hmm. put on in the background and that you can constantly rewatch and it just keeps you busy or keeps you some noise going on while you're doing things. I think that's, this show is going to be that for me. Um, yeah. I just, I just think it's so funny. <laughs> and is. I find myself laughing at jokes that I've heard three or four different times. <laughs> and then, you know, we'll, we'll say the jokes to each other and then we still laugh. It's, it's just such a good <laughs> show. And I'm so bummed that it is ending. I know it is, it is up there with like, like you were saying, friends, the office, like parks and rec, one of those shows that you can just watch over and over and it, it still doesn't really lose its value or its comedy. Um, like I, like if I need to pick me up in my week, I'm going to go to YouTube and I'm going to watch the cold open where they sing the Backstreet Boys song. Yes. Remember that? <laughs> it makes me laugh every single time. I swear I've seen it a hundred times, but it's so funny. Um, and I feel like it's underrated in that kind of discussion of, of all those rewatchable shows. Um, but I'm going to put you on the spot again because this show has just really great characters all around. Like everyone brings something different to the table. Who is your favorite of the group? Um, it's either Captain Holt or Rosa. Okay. I, I like them because, so Captain Holt is like, if you had to create your ideal boss, yeah. it would be him, like mm -hmm. hands down, right? Yeah. So he clearly had to do a whole bunch to get to where he was, fought mm -hmm. through a bunch of adversity, like is breaking barriers, check. That's super mm -hmm. cool in my book. He cares about you as individuals and will mentor you in his own weird way to make sure that you're continuing your growth really important check and then he will do stupid shit with you like go on a scavenger hunt or play these like whatever what is the what are those games called the jimmy jabs yes the jimmy jabs <laughs> or like the halloween heist like yes. I, like tell me that's not the best boss in the world right yep yeah he'll, <laughs> he'll get, get shit be, done yeah but you but also, also get have to fun. have a lot of fun <laughs> i'm like so i want him to be my boss you know and then rosa i like rosa because um it's kind of like April Ludgate on uh, Parks and Recs. I love those yeah. characters who are like mean and like stoic, but deep down they got a heart of gold. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And they always got those one like liner jabs and they'll just get you. But mm -hmm. you know, like deep down that they're like, they're real softies on the inside. Because sometimes yeah. I feel like I'm that in some, sometimes in my life, or maybe I want to be that. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, put on a hard exterior but deep down you're like I'm just so softy <laughs> yeah, I, I just I just want to watch a Nancy Myers movie as Rosa does <laughs> um no that's great I who's yours that's a good question I so it's hard to go wrong with Jake Peralta just because like I love Andy Samberg and he is he's such a dork and he's like the things that he like nerds out on the on the show are just super relatable um but I'd probably have to go with Boyle honestly because the weird like stuff that he says, it just cracks me up every single time. Like he always says the thing that you say before someone else says like, that's what she said or something like that. Like it's always, it's just the most inappropriate thing that he's blissfully unaware of what he's actually saying. Um, and honestly, it gets me. his character like 
I don't think the show would be the same without his character because he brings no. a lot of the comedic relief. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's every single episode, it's at least three times where you're laughing at either something he did or said mm-hmm. or that was done to him. Yeah. So I feel like he's like, he is a very important part of this, this series and these episodes. So I'm, I'm with you. Honestly, I don't think that you could pick any of the characters and be wrong because Terry is great. Uh, mm-hmm. Amy is great. Uh, what are the other two? Sully and Sully and who? Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Yeah. yeah. They're they're funny in their own way too, and especially when they did the flashback of when they were like, Oh my god, yeah. Like, <laughs> <meatheads>. like <laughs> that was so good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just, oh man, I'm again, I'm just so bummed that it's ending. But I will say, I am much happier with shows when they dictate their own ending. Mm-hmm. Um, Schitt's Creek, for example, they went out in their own terms and that show was amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. And because they went out in their own terms, they were able to wrap it up for us. And I think that's something that not a lot of shows get the opportunity to do. Excuse me. So I'm glad that they know this is their last season so they can go into it like the writers and everybody and actually like put a bow on it for us. I'm hopeful for that because nothing sucks more than investing (laughs) in a show and then it just being shut off and you get no closure. That is the worst thing in the entire world to me. I'm just like, I invested how many hours of my life into this and that's how you're going to do us? Yeah. There there are definitely some show or the shows that like go on for too long and I don't want to say wear out their welcome, but they don't wrap up in satisfying fashion like I, I know people I haven't watched it myself but I know people say this about like Dexter um that it just like went on like after season four it just wasn't as good and then the finale everyone hated um I would much rather take like a show like Breaking Bad that I wish there was more of but actually gets in tells its story and gets out before the quality kind of drops off like yeah like that even kind of happened with The Office a little bit there were a couple of rough seasons after Michael Scott left Okay, um, <laughs> unpopular opinion here. I yeah. liked those seasons. So I didn't like the first one or two without him. I think it was a little rough transition, but I actually liked it when like the last couple of seasons I thought were really good and kind of underrated. Like I, I mm-hmm. feel like people just wrote off the show as soon as he left Yeah, and I kind of stuck it out. And the first season after him was kind of meh. But after that, I felt like it pretty much it it had built out a cast of characters beyond just Michael Scott. And I thought they did a good job of like leaning on them more heavily. The one yeah. complaint I do have is Andy Bernard's character. I feel like they just took him and like ruined everything good about him. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he, he uh, had the, the relationship with um, what's her name, Aaron. And then he was just like a jerk to her and wound up just like being away from the show for forever. That was the only thing I didn't like, but I thought it was, yeah, I, I agree with you. That. I know Frank and I used to fight about this all the time because he loves The Office, but he refuses to watch the episodes um, without Michael Scott. And I'm just really, like, and I, I was never really into The Office. I binged it on road trips two seasons ago, I think. I just decided mm. like everyone, I think it was the first, whatever, season, whatever the first season Frank got here was, was the season that I decided to binge it because mm. everyone was talking about it and it was like continually being brought up. And I was like, fine. I'll bite. Like, let's do it. So I downloaded all of them when we were on the planes and hotels and everything. 
And I just don't understand everyone's beef with those final few seasons because Mm -hmm. yes, Michael Scott was probably like the guy, right? Mm -hmm. But after he was gone, you really got to know and fall in love with these other characters. And Mm -hmm. I I liked that. I personally think I like shows where there's more than just one character that keeps you there. Like I'm going to go like the same way with teams. It's kind of how I look at a team, right? And the way that I've kind of built my career on covering teams is I want you to fall in love with this person through their stories, through the things that they do more or equally to the same amount of love you have for their uh, athletic abilities or their game. You know what I mean? Because then I know you're genuinely invested. (laughs) You know, and when things do get a little bit bad, you're still going to stick around because you care about them as a person. I've always felt like that's how I wanted to kind of like portray, you know, when I'm telling these stories of these athletes, I want people to see both sides. I want them to remember it's like an athlete and a person. And it's the same thing with TV shows. Like, I want to love more people on that show than just one. Like, I don't want to be like, um, you know, and this is no shade thrown in this way right but LeBron James if you just follow LeBron James and you never get to know the people around him like I feel like that's kind of a sad way to enjoy a sport right like as as great as an athlete and a player as LeBron James is he still has to have at least four other guys in order to to do the things that he's doing right Uh, I want to know those four other guys no, so I know I got make... off on a major tangent there. No, but... no, no. I was, I was actually thinking in my head when you were describing that, I was thinking of like, you know, people that follow LeBron James from team to team. So it's kind of funny you brought that up. Which is um, fine to follow him, but, you yeah. know, invest a little bit in the guys around him too. Right. Because, then, you know, then you're, you know, not everything that uh, Steve Carell has done has been pure gold. So, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy The Office. It's a good show. But it is. Um, <laughs> I got on uh, a major tangent there. I'm no, sorry. It's, I no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, you, you, you raised some good points about the value of having an ensemble. And I feel like Brooklyn Nine-Nine has one of the better, um, like I said, underrated ones on TV because every single character brings something different to the table. And, and as seasons have gone on, they've done a really good job of kind of fleshing those out. But I want to get your opinion on this question that I was thinking about this morning to talk about this show because there's nothing like a show that has a lot of different running jokes and brings them back from time to time, like perfectly timed. So what's your favorite Brooklyn nine, nine running gag? Like there's, there's a lot of them. So I can, I can throw some suggestions out there if you're feeling yeah, put on the spot. Throw, Cause there are throw some suggestions <laughs> out there because I got to try and see if I can remember all of them. So you, you start. So there's uh, there's title of your sex tape, which is my okay. personal favorite. Yeah. Um, there's Holt's relationship with his dog Cheddar and calling her a duplicitous. <laughs> like, so funny. Every time that happens, I die laughing. Um, there's his feud with Madeline Wunsch. There's um, Jake's friendship with the Pontiac Bandit, played by Craig Robinson. Okay, which that's is... definitely my favorite one. That one it's right so there. Good. As much as the other ones are still solid, that one is my favorite because. Um, the Cadillac Bandit's character, again, he is so great. Like if there was ever somebody who was a criminal that you would want to be friends with, it's that guy. Yeah. 100% of the time. He's, he's so much fun. And every time they fall for it and they get double crossed, but it's still funny and fresh every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is either title of your sex tape or the Halloween heist that they do, because those are 
every time a Halloween heist episode comes up when I'm just watching, I like start, I like pay attention. I drop what I'm doing and I pay attention because it's just, yeah. it's always so fun. Um, I think those are really fun ones. And that kind of goes back to like why I like Captain Holt so much is because he allows those shenanigans to happen. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, those are, those are super fun. And I just can imagine like one of these days, maybe you and I will have to set this up, but we're just get a bunch of the media people and we will do a Halloween heist of our own. Yes. Uh, <laughs> because every time I watch that episode, I'm like, man, we should do this with our friends. Like this would yeah. be so much fun. It would. <laughs> that is a great well, maybe, idea. Maybe somebody needs to make, you know, like the escape rooms. Maybe somebody needs to make a Halloween heist room that people can go with their friends. So you don't even have to deal with the, the behind the scenes, like setting it all up stuff. That is, that is a great offshoot idea. I like that. Yeah. We could, we could, let's do a business partners. <laughs> yes. Let's make it right now. <laughs> all right. We're making deals on the Valley of the Suns podcast today. That's great. <laughs> uh, well, Lindsay, thank you so much for being on the show. It was great catching up with you. Um, tell the people where they can follow you on Twitter and plug, you know, anything and everything that you're working on right now. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was really fun to chat with you and uh, mm -hmm. get to talk to um, some Suns fans too. I mean, I feel like I'm missing yeah. that in my life right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Lindsay Smith AZ. Um, I'm not overly active at the moment, but we'll get there. Eventually yeah. I'll get back to being super active again. But when I do post, usually it's pretty fun on the stories anyway. It's always like goofy, like riding a scooter around town, catching Pokemon type <laughs> yeah. stuff. And if you think that's funny, well then you should come see and hang out. <laughs> Grade A content right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's gonna do it for this episode of the Valley of the Suns podcast. Thank you everyone for listening. Please subscribe, tell your friends and uh, leave me a review with a couple of TV shows or movies you've watched recently and we might talk about them in the future. But for this episode, this is Gerald Borgay signing off. <laughs>